I feel good right now. Let me tell you why. I just got back from almost two weeks of vacation. You guys remember vacation? Uh, I don't remember. I didn't remember it before that, but man, I, I feel like I've been nonstop since March. And so uh, through the magic of homeschool, my family gets to take vacation whenever we want to. And so we actually go in September. That's when all the crowds quit going. And we like to go uh, up to the mountains and just unplug, not use the cell phone. We'll normally like get a tent or rent a cabin somewhere. And it's been great. So almost two weeks I've, I've been away for that. It's not as hot and humid. In fact, last week I actually got to wear uh, a jacket a few times. It was like, what is this thing for? Oh, it's nice and cozy. And I loved it. Uh, side note, uh, I know that some of you guys just recently accidentally became homeschool parents. Uh, and so you didn't know you were going to do that. Congratulations, you're homeschool parents now. But guess what? Here's the rules. There are no rules. You can do vacation anytime you want to. So if you missed fall break, do it in the spring. Don't forget. You can do that too. So let me empower you. We've been doing it nine years and it's, uh, it's really cool. But anyway, this year's vacation was extra special. I don't have to tell you how crazy 2020 has been. I don't have to remind you how upside down and stressed out that you have felt. I, I don't have to tell you that I understand what it's like to feel like you haven't had a break since March. Like, I get all that. And so to get away was really good. Just like you, I've been looking for some peace and some normalcy in all of this. And getting away and spending some time in nature and breaking from the daily grind, it just gave me a chance to reset my heart and my mind on some things. One of my favorite moments was uh, one night we got to, we, my family was literally on a mountaintop, like we were physically on top of a mountain, and uh, it was a crystal clear sky, and the little place we were staying had a, uh, a telescope, a small telescope, and we were looking at just the sky with the telescope, and I haven't done that since I was a kid. We were looking at the moon, and we saw, for real, I did this this week, I've, I've never done this, I didn't know you could actually do it in real life. I got to see the moons of Jupiter, and the rings of Saturn, did you know we're in alignment with them right now? You can see them. So like wherever the moon is, can look left a little bit, and there's going to be some really bright stars. They're not stars. They're planets. Check them out. And if you've got a telescope, you can see some pretty cool stuff up there. But that wasn't even my favorite part. At one point, I was standing there with my daughter, and she was wrapped in a blanket because it was cold. It was crazy. We were like 80 degrees in Wilmington, 50 degrees at night in, in where we were. So we were up in near uh, Martinsville, Virginia, and she had a blanket on. I was behind her, and we were looking up at the stars. And she said the most classic thing. She said, wow, Dad. It's like the longer I look, the more stars I see. And then she said this, it's like I can't even count them all. I hope you've experienced that moment in your life where you're just like, wow. And it's moments like these that really put things back into perspective. How great is our God? He made that. And it brings us a sense of peace and calm. So as I've been away enjoying nature, and uh, I, I kind of rediscovered some things, and I learned some new things, and I've been meditating on this idea for the last two weeks that I am super excited to share with you this morning. I hope it can bring you some peace and bring some comfort and bring some normalcy into your life. And so let's jump into that. We are in week three of a teaching series called Pandemic Hope. I love the snarkiness of this title. At least that's the way I feel about it. Because we're talking about COVID-19 and viruses and pandemics and flattening a curve. And instead, we're like, you know what? Forget that. Let's spread something else contagious. You know, let's, let's spread hope. And, and let's spike the curve. And so it's a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but a lot serious. God has something good for us, like a lot of good things for us. And it's on us to actually like believe that and begin to share it with others. 
And so last week, Patrick did an excellent job of sharing our first big idea of how to spike the curve of hope. Like, it's cool, like, hey, spike the curve of hope, but how? How? And so he brought up the idea of encouragement. And he said something profound. He said, when you see someone doing something good, say something about it. Genius idea and very simple. And listen, Patrick, Patrick's not in the room with us right now. He normally is. But Patrick, I want to tell you something. You did something good last week. And I want to say something about it. Like to encourage us to encourage one another. All of the principles that we're studying through this series are deeply rooted in scripture. Uh, fun story. I, uh, so we were in a uh, Airbnb camper on Saturday night last night and they didn't have internet. And so we wanted to be with our church family online. So we, we went and uh, we watched, we went into town and we uh, got on my phone and we found internet at a Harris Teeter parking lot. That's right. We watch church from Harris Teeter. You can too. And so uh, this side note, it's fun. I, it, that's how I learned how to be encouraging last week. Uh, today, we're jumping into a, a different idea. It's one that I personally treat like a prescription drug. I do this thing every day, if not almost every day. It has been my remedy for anxiety and doubt and depression and negativity and fear for many years. Uh, and it has pulled me out of some of the darkest moments of my life, seriously. Um, the idea today is rooted in Scripture. It is deeply seen all throughout the Bible. And the one word I'm going to give you for it is this, gratitude. Gratitude. Now, normally, uh, I'll call it thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is another good word, but I feel like gratitude has a little bit more weight to it than thanksgiving. They mean basically the same thing. I love this definition I found on dictionary.com. It says that gratitude is the quality of being thankful. Readiness to show appreciation for and return kindness. Gratitude. Thanksgiving. And gratitude doesn't come naturally for everyone. Uh, that's why when we're two years old, our parents have to tell us, say thank you when your grandma gives you a present. Because you're just like tearing up the paper and like, where's the next present, right? Because you, you don't have no gratitude. It is hard to value things when you don't understand the value of things. You know what I mean? Uh, a good example of this, I'll never forget, my son was like three years old. And it was Christmas morning. And one of his uncles, one of his great uncles, Uncle Phil, Uncle Phil gave him a $20 bill, crisp $20 bill out of his pocket, gave it to a little three-year-old Silas. And Silas takes it and he looks at it and he's like, balls it up, walks over to the big black trash bag where we've been throwing away all of the uh, wrapping paper all morning. He's like, this is paper. This is where paper goes. Had no idea the value of the gift he'd be getting. It is difficult to show gratitude when you don't understand value. And so I want to talk a little bit about value this morning and why we should be thankful. But I've also sat with people who have been through hard times, people who have lived through homelessness and unemployment and death and mourning and sadness, people in third world countries, and to watch them respond to the simplest acts of kindness, a sandwich, a hug, with just tears and thanksgiving. Thank you. Because they understand the value. Therefore, they're thankful. Therefore, they show gratitude. I found this great quote uh, by a, an author that you don't know that you know. His name is A.A. A. Milne. Anybody know who A.A. A. Milne is? Y'all know who? Who is he? Winnie the Pooh. Winnie the Pooh. A.A. A. Milne wrote the Winnie the Pooh stories, and A.A. A. Milne's words come uh, through our friend Piglet. He's my favorite stuffed pig. Um, <laughs> he says this about gratitude. Piglet noticed that even though he had a very small heart, it could hold a rather large amount of gratitude. Silly old bear. <laughs> um, gratitude. It's important. It's not always easy. It's been called the parent of all other virtues. And it should be no surprise to us that gratitude is a powerful thing that God wants us to do. 
And so if you've got a Bible, grab it this morning. We love to look to the Bible for God's most important truth. And we're going to be studying the book of Philippians today in chapter 4. So chapter 4, Philippians chapter 4. Uh, go ahead and flip over there. It's in the New Testament of your Bible. It was originally written as a letter by the Apostle Paul to the church in Philippi. And there's a lot of really good stuff in Philippians. Uh, a few weeks ago, we finished a study through the book of Acts. And we met Paul. And we saw his amazing transition from being a persecutor of the church, someone uh, far from God's plan. Uh, he was trying to do God's plan. But, but, but he meets Jesus, and it transforms his life. He becomes the greatest Christian missionary to ever live. He wrote the majority of our New Testaments of our Bible. Anyway, uh, Paul understood hardship. He understood value of life, and he understood gratitude. But when we meet him in the book of Philippians, do you realize uh, Paul uh, was actually in prison when he was in uh, when, when he was imprisoned, he wrote the book to the Philippians and many of our letters that we have in the New Testament. Uh, even before he was in prison, he went through some hard things. He'd been chased out of towns by angry mobs like multiple times. He had been slandered over and over again by people that he used to consider his friends. People were constantly trying to kill this dude. Okay, so if you thought your life was bad, how often is a mob trying to kill you or an individual trying to kill you? This is Paul's life, okay? Pretty rough. He nearly died in a shipwreck, and if that didn't kill him, the venomous snake that bit him should have, but it didn't. He'd been through some hard times, and right now as he's writing this letter, he's imprisoned. He doesn't have the freedoms that he should have as, as a Roman citizen at the time. But in Philippians chapter 4, he sticks his head up out of that mess and that muck, and he says some things. Okay, now, uh, in chapter 4, verse 4, he comes out of the gate with this phrase. This is a broken man, and this is what he says. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. It doesn't sound like someone who's really heartbroken or hurting, does it? Uh, and if you've studied this before, I have studied this, you know, I've studied it dozens of times. I've taught it here at Venture Church four or five different ways. Uh, and every time I read it, it, it kind of gets uh, commonplace for me to be like, of course he said rejoice. That's what Paul always said. But I think Paul has every right to be a little bit salty about his life right now. Yet Philippians is one of the most joyful books in the Bible. And I think it's because Paul has understood something that we're going to learn today. He's not freaking out. He understands that God is in control, and we get to verse 5, which may be one of the most powerful verses in Philippians, which is saying something, okay? Philippians 4, 5 says, let your gentleness be evident to all. Look at this last sentence. The Lord is near. Let your gentleness be evident to all. We could talk about gentleness and all that, but I want to focus on that last sentence. The Lord is near. Uh, my kids are getting older now. My son's in high school. My daughter's 11 years old, and so this doesn't happen as often as it used to, if ever. But I still remember when they were younger, and something scary would happen. And, you know, <laughs> thunderstorm, or, or, you know, scary movie, or like, for goodness sake, someone closed my door, and it's too dark. I'm freaking out, because there's something in my closet. You know, all that stuff. But the, the freaking out thing that they're doing, and then as a parent to walk in, and to see the stillness that comes over a child when their parent comes in and, and holds them and rubs their back and says, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. It's something about that nearness that brings them strength. And I think that it's fitting that Paul finds this same strength as well. He's like, the Lord is near. I know life is hard right now for me, but I'm going to find strength because the Lord is near. And I still, as an adult, I can still find comfort. Uh, my mom and dad, visit. I think my mom's watching online right now. Hi, mom. Um, I, I still find comfort knowing my mom and dad visited Wilmington yesterday. I got to hang out with them and have dinner with them. And I find comfort calling them sometimes. And I've got a question or something I need to talk through. And I hope you have someone like that in your life that you can call. I hope that you have a friend or a parent or a loved one. But you know what? Even if you don't, Paul's words are true for you. 
the Lord is near. And he hasn't left you, and he hasn't let you down, and he won't sell you out, and he will never forsake you. The Lord is near. Over and over in Scripture, we're, we're reminded of his presence in our life. In Psalm chapter 27, uh, it was actually just in my devotional reading this week. I just was opening it up, and that was next for me. And on Thursday, i got to be honest with you here, I was a little bit um, anxious about this morning uh, because there were some pieces of the puzzle that I wasn't sure about. A lot of the pieces that were still in my head that I hadn't told anybody yet. And like, gotta, So Thursday morning, I woke up, and I, I had just got off this peaceful vacation, mountaintop, literally, and I'm at home like, and, then, and so I'm like, okay, I know I need to center myself. I need to open my Bible. So I open it. Psalm 27. Check out what God hit me between the eyes with. This is awesome. Psalm chapter 27. You should memorize this whole chapter. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom should I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it's my enemies who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Even if war breaks out against me, even then I will be confident. And you skip ahead to verse 5. It says, for in the day of trouble, he'll keep me safe. In his dwelling, in, he will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent. And he'll set me high up on a rock. And then, then my head will be exalted above my enemies that surround me. And at his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. And I will sing and make music to the Lord. The, the psalm writer here is going through some hard times. This is King David, presumably. This is a guy who's constantly chased by armies. And in the middle of it all, he says, whom should I fear? Like, if an army was to come against me, that's okay because my God is going to lift me up on a rock or he's going to hide me in his shelter. He's going to take care of me. And so Paul says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord, he's near. Talk about spiking the curve of hope. Um, that's not even my main point today, guys. I, that's actually just, you remember I, I told you you have to understand the value. You can't have gratitude without context. This is the context. This is who we're coming from. This is the power of God in our life. And so no matter how many new COVID-19 cases spike in our state or in our nation, guess what? The Lord is near. No matter how long this shutdown lasts, the Lord is near. No matter how crazy it is for you to get your kid on another Zoom call for school, and the teacher doesn't understand, and the parents don't understand if you're a teacher, and it's hard, it's hard, it's hard, guess what? The Lord is near. No matter how this presidential election goes, and yes, that's all I'm going to say about politics, probably for this whole next two months. The Lord is near, and he hasn't left us, and he hasn't forgotten us, and that's your context. That's your value. That's where we're coming from. So when we get to verse 6, okay, still back into Philippians. Flip back over there. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. The rest of this really makes sense based on that sentence. The Lord is near. He says, so verse 6, I don't be anxious about anything. What about, what about big things? What about like if you know, I lose my job? Don't be anxious about anything. What about little things? What about when I'm running late for work? Don't be anxious about anything. What about when there's no more food left in the pantry and I haven't gone shopping, I don't have time because I got a thing to do? Don't be anxious about anything. What if I don't understand the outcome? Wherever it's going, I don't know. Don't be anxious about anything. And that's hard. I know it. That's one of my vices. I know it. It's hard. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, and with, here's our word, thanksgiving, with gratitude, present your request to God. 
And if you do that, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, it will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So there's this simple reminder. One, you're not alone. And then the practical exercise here of you need to try. It's hard. It's a discipline. This is why it's called a spiritual discipline. It's, an, it's a habit. You've got to learn to trade your anxiety, your fear, your doubt, your uncertainty. Trade that with gratitude. It's a trade-off in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Present your request to God. Gratitude is, you ready for a definition? Listen. Gratitude is recognizing a blessing. Gratitude is about recognizing a blessing. My son, when he got the $20 bill, he didn't recognize it. He didn't know it was a blessing. It's about seeing the blessing. I want to borrow an idea from an old French journalist from the, ni- the 1850s. I'm probably going to butcher his name, Alphonse Carr. That's what we're going to call him today, Mr. Alphonse. I've, read, I've come across this a few times. I like it. He says something like this. I'm going to paraphrase. He says, it is easy to complain because roses had thorns. Follow that? It's easy to complain because roses have thorns. But instead, I choose to thank God that thorns have roses. Recognizing the blessing. Seeing it there. you got to look for it. you got to see it. It's about recognizing the blessing and then more importantly, giving thanks to God for it. Instead of trapping yourself down in the bunker with whatever you're scared of. Sticking your head up and saying... I'm going to come out of this tar pit, and I'm going to look at God, and I'm going to see the blessings he's put into my life. And the blessings for God, from God, aren't that hard to find once you start looking for them. Uh, yours might, your list might look similar to what mine does. I'm going to give you a list. There's some things you could do as you start to count your blessings, okay? And the first one that I might have is, you know what? I ate a meal today. Actually, not today. We got here really early, and I didn't eat yet. But I ate a meal yesterday, and I plan on eating a meal later today. I ate a meal today. Thank you, God, for that. Wow, a lot of people aren't going to have a meal today or haven't meal, had meals for several days. Okay, I slept in a warm, dry bed last night uh, in a safe place. I wasn't scared while I was sleeping. Wow, thank you, God. That's a pretty big deal. I have a friend. I have several friends. In fact, a lot of them are right here right now. And you know what? I have more friends beyond this room. Wow. Thanks for that, God. You know what? There's, there's beautiful trees outside. <laughs> wow. Thanks, God, for that. See how that works? And and my guess is most of us could go a lot bigger than that. Most of us could say, I have a car. I have two cars. Some of you could say, I have three, four cars and a motorcycle. And, you know, I have a boat. Wow. Thanks, God, for that. Uh, I have a job. Maybe not the job I want, but I have a job. Or look, I get it. Maybe you don't have a job. Maybe you got laid off or furloughed or you're you're in between jobs right now. What has God done to carry you? so far you're still with us you haven't gone anywhere and what's happened in the past when you've had work god's provided thank you lord for that we got to recognize the blessing and if you're watching uh, this service right now guess what you have the internet wow it's the greatest marvel of all time and almost everyone in the world has it in third world countries and villages living in tree houses you got the internet and yes it can be used for evil but it's good there's a lot of good can come from it. And, and you know what? All of the things I just said really says nothing about the beauty of God's creation. I mentioned trees, but come on. You know what? If you live in Wilmington and you're watching this, go walk on the beach. 
take a look at what God has done and see if you can't find something to be thankful for. Have you seen the moon this week, guys? Oh my goodness. It was like this big. We got like a harvest moon going on right now. A full moon is beautiful. You don't need a telescope to see the moon this past week. It's, it's up there. Uh, look at the stars. Look at bugs. Listen to birds. I mean, it is amazing what God has done. And he's sustained all that for so long. And he has not left you. The Lord is near. You know, it's easy to make a list of the ways that 2020 has been rough. It is easy. But stop it. Stop it. I laugh with everyone else when someone makes another 2020's bad joke and someone posts a meme about craziness that's happening. Well, it's October. Let's get the gremlins out or whatever it is. I keep seeing, like every month, it's the same post. Someone just changes the month. Um, and maybe you're saying things. In I get it. It's, I get a good sense of humor. I like it. But what does that do for people's hope? What if instead of highlighting how bad things are, we instead decided to talk about what we're thankful for? Yeah, that was a crazy debate last week, huh? You know what I'm thankful for? My family. It's crazy what's happening in this place or that place. You know what I'm thankful for? The people that I love and the people that love me. I'm thankful for shoes on my feet. I'm thankful for food in my belly. And we're going to see in a minute that that list can get pretty long, pretty quick, because in James chapter 1, verse 16, listen to this. This is, this is what the blessings of God are. James chapter 1, verse 16, sorry. He says, don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heaven of light, of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. You got a good thing in your life? If it's not sinful, and I would argue that if it is sinful, it's not a good thing. If you got a good thing in your life, it came from God. If you don't believe in God, I'm going to tell you that I believe that the good things in your life are from him. You don't have to give him credit for it to be from him. My son didn't have to give his uncle credit for the $20. It still came from him. Every good and perfect gift is from the Father above. It's, it's a beautiful thing. And so Paul says in verse 7 that if we do that, if we can learn to trade uh, our fear, our anxiety, he says anxiety, uh, but other things, if we can learn to trade that for thanksgiving and gratitude, verse 7, I'll repeat it again, and the peace of God which transcends our understanding. It doesn't make sense how the, the peace of God works. Don't try to write a book about it. People have done it. They're pretty good. But you don't have to understand it. It transcends our understanding. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. Don't be deceived. You're not going to be guarded by the good things. You're not going to be guarded by the happy thoughts and the positivity. You're guarded by Christ Jesus, God in the flesh, and he adds in verse 8, this is just a, this is an extra, okay? We kind of got through the gratitude part, but I love this. He's like, okay, I'm not supposed to focus on anxiety and bad things. Anymore. What should I focus on? He's like, you want a list? Here's a list, verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think of such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put them into practice. And here it is again. And the God of peace will be with you. In a world full of disappointment and struggle and inconvenience and hardship and make the list, you could hardly ask for a better list of things to focus on instead. Whatever is true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable, excellent or praiseworthy. These are the things we've got to focus on. If we want to spike the, co the, the, the hope curve in the, our lives and the people around us, you know, life isn't always perfect from a physical perspective. It's just not. It's not going to be perfect. 
But take heart and have hope. Don't miss an opportunity to recognize the blessings and see the joy that that brings. Um, the crowned jewel of all of God's blessings is the fact that he came to the world as a human. And he gave his life, Jesus, God in the flesh. And he rose from the dead to show us that we could be resurrected too, to bring us new life. Thank you, Lord, for that. Peter gives some gratitude. I love seeing the apostles practicing what they preach. And, and the apostle Peter says this. This is in 1 Peter 1, 3, kind of where we're wrapping up the day. He says this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who in his great mercy has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That's what our hope is grounded in. You want to spike the curve of hope in your family, in your workplace, in your neighborhood, and your people that you hang out with? Start with gratitude. And it can be simple things to start with, like saying thank you when someone opens the door for you. That's gratitude. Little things. Thank you when someone picks up a coffee for you, gives you a refill, whatever. Like, thank you for that. It'll make the world a better place, but don't stop there. Don't stop there. Don't just thank your friends for doing nice things for you. That's good. Remember to thank God. He's the source of all the good things. He's the source of the people's actions and the people. Real gratitude needs to be given to God. And so we've got to make it a discipline. Do it once a day. Do it multiple times a day. Do it every day. Gratitude, thanksgiving. Your attitude will shift. Your perspective will change. Your prayer life is going to blast off. <laughs> it's going to be amazing how much more in touch you're going to feel with God. And once you start recognizing the blessings of God, it will be like looking up into a crystal clear sky standing on the top of a mountain, looking at the stars. And at first you're going to see the bright ones. Uh, you'll see the Big Dipper, and you'll see some big old stars. And they'll, 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 they'll pop out, those blessings. But then the longer you start to stare into the gifts that God has given us, the more you'll see. The more you'll see, they'll add up, and you won't be able to count them all. And you'll be able to go, thank you, Lord, for being near. Guys, that's what gratitude looks like, and that's why it will spike the curve of hope in our world. Let me pray with you guys this morning.